we are in our collection on Sabbath. And if you know, Sabbath is Hebrew word translation is Shabbat, which means to stop. But also, it can also be translated not just to stop, but also to rest, to delight, and to worship. And so we are exploring the four rhythms of Sabbath this month, stop, rest, delight, and worship. And so your homework last week was just to set aside a time or a day to just stop. Like you didn't need to do anything else. Just stop your work. And today we're going to talk about the second rhythm of Sabbath, which is rest. Now, how many of you know that not working is not always the same thing as resting? Can you, can I get an amen? Like how many of you have ever felt more tired after your day off or like you needed a vacation for your vacation, right? I remember um, when I first started ministry, my Sabbaths were really, really destructive in a sense that I remember I would wake up at like 2 p.m. And this was, I was, I was a single bachelor, by the way, right? I was single, didn't have any responsibilities. Life was great. But I would wake up at 2 p.m. And I remember I would just sit and watch Netflix or watch TV for hours, like, go out and get McDonald's, just chill. And then it'll be nighttime already. And then I'd play some games. And then when I got to bed and I woke up the next day, I would still be hella tired. And you wonder why, right? Because stopping rest is not the same thing as getting rest. What good is a day off if we're not actually resting? And so all that to say rest is more than just getting sleep. In fact, rest has a lot to do with inner desire. Have you ever felt inner restlessness? Like, I think we tend to feel restless when our desires remain unfulfilled or unchecked. What I mean by that is like, I feel restless because I'm stuck at this job that I hate and I don't know what's coming next. Or like, I feel restless because all my friends are getting married. I'm I'm still a single AF. I feel restless because I thought I'd be way more successful at this point in my life than I am right now. And maybe sometimes we don't even know why we feel restless inside, but we do. There's like this inner discontent that we can't seem to shake, that I'm not where I'm supposed to be, that I'm not who I am, that I don't have everything that I want, that I'm not as successful or where I felt like I would be in life. I think we understand restlessness all too well. But here's the thing about desires. We all die. This is a really bleak sermon. We all die with all of our desires unfulfilled. In other words, there is no way to fulfill every single desire in your heart in this lifetime. Now, as an Enneagram type seven, that is a hard pill for me to swallow. My Enneagram type, if you don't know, oh, just a quick example. So like there's this uh, artist that made a song about every Enneagram type. And my wife, Krista, she's a type two. And the song was so beautiful. Like the artist was singing, I'll die for you. Like I'll bleed for you. Like all these beautiful type two-esque things. So I was like, let's listen to the type seven song. And the chorus hits in the type seven song. First of all, it's like really upbeat with like a banjo. It's like, like super happy. It gets to the chorus and it goes, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? I'm hungry for whatever comes next. And I think for type sevens, 
we are so discontent and restless oftentimes because we want to experience everything. But I don't think that's just true for type sevens. I think all of us have these desires within us that we want to see fulfilled. But the truth and the hard, hard pill to swallow is that when we get to the end of our lives, not all of our desires will be fulfilled. You're going to die with some unfulfilled potential. You're going to die with some unfulfilled desires. Thomas Aquinas once asked, what would it take to satisfy human desire? Right? Just a basic, easy question to ask. What would it take to satisfy human desire? You know what the answer he came up with was? Everything. Right? We would have to experience everything and everyone to satisfy, truly satisfy human desire. The problem is that's not possible. We would have to be infinite, but we are finite beings. So then what do we do with that restlessness? You're telling us we're going to be restless for the rest of our lives. What do we do? Is there something that can be done? Yes. That's why I'm preaching today. We live in a culture that capitalizes off of our restlessness, right? A a culture of consumerism that really capitalizes off of that restlessness. That's why they say that we see the average person sees, get this, Upwards of 4,000 ads per day. And I don't know, have you ever, you know, done this thing where like you're talking to someone about something and then later you're on Insta and then an ad for the thing that you talked about, you didn't even search it. You just talked about it, but it popped up. I remember all the time we would get um, ads for figs, you know, those medical scrubs that, you know, people were, because our dog's name is Fig and we'd always be saying Fig, 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 Fig. I remember one time me and my friend, we were talking about black holes for like three hours. I don't, that's just what we do. We talk about black holes. I think I could talk to you, Josh, about black holes for hours too, but we were talking about black holes. And then on Instagram that night, I get an ad Want to go to the black hole exhibit here in San Francisco, right? There are so many things that are competing to try to solve our restlessness. And all of the ads are intentionally designed for one thing, to leave us feeling unsatisfied so that we could spend our money to buy the things that they're telling will satisfy us. And sadly, it works. We're always chasing more money. We're always chasing more clothes, more gadgets, more experiences, more stamps on the passport, more relationships, more followers, more, 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 but it's never enough. Rest is always out of reach. And it's like the moment we catch what we've been chasing, we immediately want like two, 10 other new things, right? The moment we get what we think we want, there's something else on the horizon. So the question is, how do we end this cultural cycle of restlessness that always leaves us wanting more? Is there a way to fight against the restlessness of the human heart? There is. And obviously, it's Sabbath. Sabbath, John Mark Homer says, and I shared this definition last week, is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our life. So it's not about a day. It's, it is a day, but it's not about the day. It's about creating a life of rest to quench the restlessness of our age. And so Sabbath helps us war against the relentless restlessness of our age. If we go back to Genesis 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Look to your neighbor and say, all his work. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You know, when we think about the word rest, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You probably think sleep or a day off or like a time to relax. But the idea behind Sabbath, according to scriptures, actually far more. It's holistic rest. It's not just physical rest for our bodies, but it is rest for our souls. And so on Sabbath, we rest from work. But not just our jobs, not just our nine to fives, we rest from all working. I know some of you tried Sabbath this week, and the first thing you did when you woke up is you got your errands done. You went shopping. You cleaned the house. You tidied up. But Sabbath, is, 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 it's excluding all work, including chores, errands, to-do lists, personal things. Listen, if you're waiting until you complete all of your work to rest, I have really bad news for you because you will never be finished. And you find this out firsthand when you become a parent, and I'll tell you why. Because Zion, for some reason, the tiny little body, my son, only 18 months old, produces so much demonic laundry every waking moment of his life. And I swear, like the other day, last week, I finished three loads of laundry, and the next day I was like, oh, I'm so glad I got laundry done yesterday. I walk into his room, and I see his laundry basket, and it's already full again. And I think that just illustrates that many of us, we have so much work that we will actually never ever finish our to-do list. You will always have more dishes to do. You'll always have more laundry to do. You'll always have more bills to pay. Our work will never end. And so we can't wait till we finish our work to rest. We can't wait to be complete to enter into Sabbath. But it's not just rest from work. It's rest from even thinking about work, like about the project you're working on or about how much you have to get done tomorrow or next week. Or about the way you should have performed better last week at that meeting or at that presentation. You know, neuroscientists actually say that the mere thought of work actually produces the same chemicals in your brain as if you were in the office working. And so even if you're taking your day off and you're thinking about work, you know, you might as well be in the office because the same thing is happening in your brain. Right? Some of us, we can't even unplug. And so it's rest from work. It's rest from thinking about work. But also, rest is so much more. Sabbath is rest from worrying. It's rest, rest from wanting. Like, when's the last time you didn't want for, like, a single minute? Like, when you didn't think about, oh, the next vacation that's on the horizon. Or the shopping ad that I saw on Instagram. When's the last time that you stopped from wanting? That's what Sabbath is about. In Deuteronomy 5, chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 12, 14 through 15, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, fun Bible fact. I don't know if you guys care about that, but I do. The Ten Commandments, they're actually recorded twice in the Torah. So the first five books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments were actually recorded twice. The first we read last week was in Exodus 20. And it was actually at Mount Sinai right after they had left Egypt. 
But the second is what we read right now in Deuteronomy 5, and it's right before they enter into the promised land. Now, one of the major differences between these two Ten Commandments recorded is this. In Exodus, Sabbath is rooted and connected to the creation narrative, right? So in Exodus, the passage we read last week, they say, observe the Sabbath because God worked for six days in creating, and then he rested on the seventh day. So he said Sabbath because God did it during creation. But here in Deuteronomy, you'll notice they don't talk about creation at all. In Deuteronomy, the Sabbath is actually rooted in the liberation narrative. It's rooted in the story of Israel's exodus from slavery in Egypt. So in other words, in in Exodus, Sabbath is about rhythm. It's about the rhythm of creation, the rhythm of living. But in Deuteronomy, Sabbath is about resistance. In Egypt, Pharaoh, he was a cruel oppressor. And if you remember the story of Egypt um, and, and Pharaoh oppressing the Israelites, no matter how hard the Hebrews worked, it was never enough, right? They were the ones that were building all the bricks for the buildings, the architecture, and their work was literally never finished. Does that sound familiar, right? Slaves don't get a Sabbath. They don't get to rest from their work. They're only as valuable as what they can produce. They work all day, every day until the day that they die. And so in this command to observe the Sabbath, God is reminding the people of their freedom from Egypt. They're reminding their people of their liberation from slavery. God was reminding them with this Sabbath command. Listen, you're not slaves anymore. There is no never-ending quota you have to meet. There is no hustle and grind until you die. You can finally rest. We may not live under the oppression of a physical Pharaoh anymore today, but the spirit of Pharaoh is very much alive and well. That's what I want to drive today. That the restlessness of Egypt is embedded deep within our culture. Right? I mean, there's a freaking, if you look at the back of a dollar bill, there's a freaking pyramid on it right? Egypt is alive in our day and age. We work more than ever before. In the U.S., they found that we work more than any other nation in the world. 137 more hours than our Japanese brothers and sisters every year. 260 more hours than the British. 499 more hours a year than the French. We work a lot. And you'd think with all the innovations in modern technology, with the dishwasher, with the laundry machine, we'd be working less. Leisure time is down 37% since the 1960s. So we are literally working more than ever before. But not only that, we own more than ever before. This, this made me disgusted with myself as an American. It's estimated we spend two to ten more t- times more on goods and services than people did in the 1940s. Our homes are three times larger and full of more than twice as many things. This blew my mind. The average home in America has over 300,000 items in it. 300,000 items. In fact, we have so much stuff, like we can't even fit it all in our homes. We use in America over 2.3 billion square feet of self-storage space. So like we have so much stuff. We can't even contain it in our homes. We have to go get extra space, 2.3 billion square feet of extra space somewhere else. We work more than before, and we own more than ever before. But despite those things, we're unhappier than ever before. We're slaves to our work. We never have enough. 
All that to say, it's Egypt all over again. The spirit of Pharaoh is alive and well. But Sabbath is an act of resistance. Sabbath is a rebellion against the spirit of Pharaoh at work today. Sabbath liberates us. Sabbath says enough, enough work, enough stuff. I can finally rest. Sabbath breaks the two greatest idols here in the West, which are accomplishment and accumulation, right? It says I am enough despite what I can achieve and what I have. And it says I have enough despite what I earn and what I own. And so when we enter into Sabbath, you're part of a rebellion. You're part of a resistance against the age-old spirit that says you have to work, that you cannot rest, that you always need more. And it finally lets us say enough, and we can finally enter into rest. In fact, later in the Old Testament, there are actually commands against buying or selling on the Sabbath, right? Like, I think for some of us, we wait till Sabbath to like go out and shop. But actually, in the spirit of Sabbath, shopping actually violates that because we are propelled by a spirit for wanting more instead of entering into gratitude and saying, God, you've given me enough for what I have. What if instead of wanting more, we can rest in gratitude for what we already have? What if we can rest from wanting and needing and coveting and saying, God, I have enough. I have enough in you. Now, accomplishment and accumulation are not inherently bad. So that's not what I'm saying. Like, go out and do your thing. You know, be a boss. You know, get a lot of stuff. That's great. But what I'm saying is our souls have a limit. And oftentimes we cross them far too much, right? There comes a point where we need to say, I don't need to work more hours. I don't need to earn more money. I don't need a new car. I don't need that new sneaker drop. I don't need the perfect body. I don't need to earn my parents' approval. We need to draw a line in the sand at some point for the sake of our souls because how many of you know your company's not going to do it for you? Our culture isn't going to do it for you. Life isn't going to slow down for us. I thought life would be at least a little gracious when we had Zion, like, you know, for newborn parents. No, life got faster. Life does not slow down. We have to be the ones to say enough is enough. I am carving out space to rest and say enough. This is why Sabbath is essential. It brings us back to this reality that Pharaoh and his army are dead at the bottom of the Red Sea. I'm free. I have everything I need for life and godliness. We're at war for our souls, and Sabbath is an act of resistance. I touched on this question last week, but what about for those, Pastor Mickey? This sounds good, but it sounds like you're kind of speaking from privilege. Like, what about those who literally have no time to Sabbath? right? Like the single mother working two to three jobs to provide for her family, the person caring for a sick family member, like literally cannot take time off. I think the thing we have to recognize, there are powers and principalities and systems that keep people from rest, right? There are forces at work in our culture and in society that literally keep people from rest, right? No one should be working two to three jobs to survive. No one should be working nonstop without any time for rest. But we live in a world, in a country 
where there are forces that, that keep rest from people. I had a coworker when I was a barista at Craftsman and Wolves, the worst barista ever, by the way. I had, my coworker was a phenomenal barista. And I remember every day, you know, we'd work together. We'd, like, talk about our plans for the rest of the day. And uh, she'd, she'd ask, like, oh, what do you have planned for the rest of the day? Like, oh, I'm going to go home and chill with my wife and watch some TV. I was like, what about you? I actually have to go to Walgreens because my next shift is coming up right after I work. I'm like, you get up at 5 a.m., you finish at 2 p.m., and then you have to work at, again at 3 p.m. all the way to 9 p.m., and she got two kids? Like, how do you do that? We have to realize there are forces at work in our society that literally keep people from rest, Forces of poverty, forces of injustice and discrimination. We have to realize there are forces at work and the spirit of Pharaoh is alive in our institutions. And so there are people that literally, they hear this teaching and they literally cannot rest. I would bet most of us are not in that boat. I don't want to judge. Maybe you are. But most of us, we can, we can take a day off of rest. But there are people that literally can not. So what do we do with them? How do they practice the Sabbath? How do this, does this apply to them? And I think this is beautiful because Sabbath at its core is meant to be communal. It's, I think when we think of rest, we think, oh, I'm going to disconnect and go chill and rest and recharge on my own. Sabbath was always done in community. And what this means is the beauty about practicing Sabbath in community is that we learn how to create a culture where everyone can rest. Where not just me or the people that have the privilege to be able to rest can rest, but now my goal is that we all can rest. It's not to say when we rest that we need to feel guilty that we're able to rest. Like, oh, I'm so privileged and I need to feel guilt. No, you can enjoy your rest. You can be thankful for the privilege to rest. We enter into gratitude for that rest. But that gratitude is meant to spill over creating a culture where we help others who don't have the opportunity to rest get rest. And so how do we create generosity within our communities, within our churches, within our cities to help people who cannot rest, rest. I think um, one, of the, uh, one of the churches that I follow, they're asking this very question in their community right now. And there are a lot of people in their community and in their neighborhoods that, that kind of have this story. They literally do not have a day off to rest. And they thought of creative ways, little things like, I'm going to bring the family down the street a bag of groceries for the day because that time that they need to go out, spend money, and go grocery shopping is now time that I can at least give them a little, a little bit of space to rest. You know, Fatai and Natasha about to be parents real soon. Y'all excited for that? I'm so excited. Parents do not get to rest. I don't know if you know that, but the first three months are going to be really hard. Because baby is literally keeping you up at every ungodly hour of the night. Unless your baby's an angel, which I know your baby will be. But if they're anything like Zion, right? They're going to keep you up all the time. One of the things that we appreciated when we had our baby, people gifted us rest. Hey, I'll come over and watch Zion for a few hours. My parents came over every Monday. They still do, so Chris and I can have date night on Mondays. People would buy us meals and get us groceries, Right? We're not just talking about individual rest. What does rest look like in community so that people who cannot rest can rest? And so today, I want to leave you with, once again, three tangible action items as we enter into rest, into Sabbath this week. And if you have not tried practicing Sabbath yet, please try it this week. 
I promise you, it's a rhythm that will change your life. It takes up one-seventh of your life, but it really very may, may well add so much more life and vitality to your entire life. So the first action plan is this. Prepare for Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality. Dan Allender, who writes about Sabbath, he says the best way to protect the Sabbath is to make well-anticipated plans. Ooh, all the, um, all the non-planners in here just let out a sigh of disbelief. We can't just stumble into rest. It takes planning and preparation, right? If you want to have a really good vacation, like you need to marry someone like my wife, Krista, because she'd be on Yelp like three weeks before the trip finding all the best restaurants, all the places to visit, right? We have a really good trip when Krista plans it. For our honeymoon, I was in charge of planning the honeymoon. We went to Croatia and Italy for three weeks. I had the first hotel booked when we took off from the airport. I don't think she got a lot of rest. (laughs) But there's something about planning for rest. It seems counterintuitive, right? Oh, more work to rest? No, we have to plan and prepare to have really deep rest. And so the question is, how can you prepare and plan to have a really restful Sabbath? Well, don't worry. I got you. I'll give you some suggestions. Number one, go grocery shopping. Prepare your Sabbath meal so you don't have to cook. Clean or tidy your home. I know for me, something happened when I became a parent. I'm such a tidy freak now. And um, I just... Every moment, waking moment that I'm with Zion, I'm trying to clean something. And then he messes up something else. So I'm like always cleaning. But for me, I can't rest when the house is hella messy, when there's like garbage bags we need to take out, right? Clean and tidy your home before your day of rest. Run your errands before Sabbath. Pay your bills, answer texts, emails. Make plans to meet your family and community. Make those plans. For some of us, it's tiring as hell to plan social outings or gatherings. Plan it before your day of Sabbath and plan some fun activities. So we have to prepare and plan for Sabbath to have actual rest. It sounds counterintuitive, but try it this week. Like the day before, the night before, plan for your next day of rest and see what a difference it makes. Number two, prepare for external resistance. We talked about this. Sabbath is an act of resistance, which means inevitably we'll feel resistance coming against our ability to rest. There are external forces at work that keep us from rest. And through Sabbath, we defy these forces and rest in God. And so this week, choose one of two things that you are going to commit to resisting on your day of rest. What things can you resist? I got you again. Throw up that list phone. This one's hard. You need, you need to make a Chick-fil-A in your house and have a little, little phone box and just throw it in there. Social media, internet, TV or entertainment. This one's going to be hard. Shopping. You know, sometimes when you're just scrolling on Amazon and you didn't even go on there because you need something, you just bored. We can't rest when you're in want. Social obligations. This one's huge. Some of y'all, you're just too much of a social butterfly. And you need to spend time away from people and learn how to rest apart from people. Some of y'all are too introverted and you need to invite people into your Sabbath, right? Whatever it is that comes against your rest. For some of y'all sports, your weekend work, chores, errands. And yeah, for some of y'all people. People that do not give you rest. 
Come on, y'all can think of at least one person that just does not give you rest when you're around them. Like, I love, I love my parents. I love my parents. But I can only be around them for so long. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I love my parents. I love it. Why, we need to learn how to set social boundaries as well. So what are some of the things coming against your rest from the outside, external forces that you can actively resist this week? I'm not telling you to like resist all this and become like Amish and like go out and disconnect from the world. No, choose one or two things that you feel convicted to resist this week that comes against your rest. Like some of y'all, your social media is exhausting you more than you know, right? What are the things that you could come against? And number three, prepare for internal resistance. So there's external resistance, things that come against our rest from the outside, But Egypt isn't just around us. It's also in us. To truly rest, we have to resist the internal restlessness of our souls. Greed, envy, anxiety, discontentment, addiction. I was listening to um, a, a podcast on Sabbath. And they talked about this phenomenon called Sabbath sadness. And if you've been doing Sabbath for quite a bit, there are some times when you just rest and stop in Sabbath. And you just feel sad. Right? You'll find that even though Sabbath is a day for delight, you might feel difficult emotions. But why? I thought it's a day for rest and delight. Why? Because when you stop and when you slow down, the emotions you've been avoiding finally catch up with you. And that's okay. Because to get to delight, we have to allow ourselves to honestly feel whatever is going on within us. Um, really cool quote by David White on this. He says, speed is the ultimate defense, the antidote to stopping and really looking. If we really saw what we were doing and who we had become, we feel we might not survive the stopping and the accompanying self-appraisal. So we don't stop. And the faster we go, the harder it becomes to stop. We keep on moving whenever any form of true commitment seems to surface. Speed saves us the pain of all that stopping. Speed can be such a bomb, a saving grace, a way to tell ourselves in an unconscious way that we are not really participating. So Sabbath, when we stop, some of the emotions we've been ducking, some of the feelings we've been avoiding, some of the internal things that we've been running away from, may finally catch up to us. And Sabbath forces us to finally confront all the things within ourselves that we've been running from, that we've been too busy for. I told you all about my float spa experience. Some of you all knew, so I'll tell it again. Have, you know what float spa is? It's like when you float in a little capsule with Epsom salt, and it's like sound deprivation and light deprivation, so it's completely pitch black. You're floating in a water full of salt, and there's nothing. It's just complete emptiness and blackness. And when I did it, it's an hour long, it drove me insane. Mainly because as an Enneagram type seven, I'm always on the go, 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 and I'm always distracting myself from really feeling what's going on inside of me. And as I was sitting in a pool of salt water in complete dark in an egg-shaped capsule for an hour and random weekday, I just, I couldn't sit with myself very long. After 20 minutes, I was like, hey, can you, like, turn the light on? Like, can you play some light ambient music? Like, I just, I couldn't listen to the thoughts within me. I think some of us, speed, the reason why we're so fast and so busy is because we're, we're running. We're running from what's actually going on inside of us. And when we stop, we don't want to Sabbath. We don't want to rest. We don't want to cut ourselves off from work because then we're left to what's really going on inside. 
but we have to finally confront all the things that I've been running from for years. But Sabbath allows us to confront those things with the grace. And the grace is this. We allow ourselves to enter into whatever is going on so that God can lead us into delight. It's an intentional space where we allow God to do that for us. And so this week, um, why don't you throw it up? I think I shared this a couple times. For those of you who are really bad at connecting with your emotions, we're going to make this available on our Instagram. But it's a feelings wheel. And, you know, I'm really bad at identifying my feelings. And so Krista used to literally come up to me and put this wheel in front of my face. What are you feeling? <laughs> and um, actually, the one I like is a kid's version. It's called Kimojis. It's these, like, 16 faces, and one's, like, disgust, and one's, like, happy. Like, which one are you feeling? And I would point to which one. And I think some of us, we need help identifying what's really going on inside of us. So as you Sabbath this week, I want you to consider a few questions. And this will all be on online. What am I feeling? What am I feeling on this day that's supposed to be rest and delight? And what attachment is under that feeling? Like, what's really going on? Why do I feel that way? The third thing, I invite you to feel that feeling. Identify it and just feel it. If you feel sad on your Sabbath, feel sad. Go off. Like if you feel angry or anxious, allow yourself to feel that for a moment. But then take a moment to offer that feeling to God in prayer and say, God, I feel anxious. I feel sad. I feel, um, I feel whatever I feel, and I offer it to you in prayer and then wait for God to speak. Just see what he does. Like some of y'all, you're, I promise you, you're going to save uh, years of bills off your therapy bills. You're just going just, to, just to allow yourself to feel, to slow down enough to feel that. And so this week, I want you to prepare those things. Prepare for Sabbath. Prepare for external resistance and prepare for internal resistance. Y'all got that? Awesome. All right. Last thing I want to say, as we prepare, we have to remember if we're not intentional, we will always flow into the path of least resistance, right? So if you have no plans for your day off, you're just going to do whatever comes the easiest, right? You're just going to chill. You're going to Netflix. You're going to scroll on social media. But we have to be intentional to really enter into true rest and delight. So that's my challenge and my invitation to you this week. I know you all got it. But right now, why don't we close our eyes as we get ready to respond in prayer? Um, I don't know if you resonated with any of this, but I do feel like God is inviting some of us into true rest this week. I think some of us, we've gotten really good at taking days off, but we haven't really learned how to rest. And it's like, yeah, your body feels rest and maybe your mind feels refreshed, but there's still this inner restlessness that you can't seem to shake. And I feel like God is saying that restlessness, I got something for that. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Maybe the thing that you've been needing to do is not just learning how to stop, but learning how to truly rest in the presence of God. So right now, just begin, um, just dialogue with God, right? This isn't just to come and hear from a pastor speak about things that he may or may not know, but what is God saying to you at this moment about all this? Maybe God is telling you, Slow down, stop. Allow yourself to feel whatever it is that's going on. Maybe it is God telling you, 
You have to resist the external temptations, phone, social media, work calls, and emails. Maybe for you, God is just challenging you. Be intentional. Prepare for the day of Sabbath. Take it serious. But right now, just begin to ask God, God, what is something that you're moving me? What's a way that you're moving me to respond this week? God, we thank you that you are the God of Sabbath, that you are the God of rest. And today we say we are going to draw a line in the sand and say enough. We speak against the spirit of Pharaoh at work in our lives. We say that we don't need to be machines. We don't need to work endlessly. We don't need to worry or want endlessly but we can enter into true rest and delight. Help us draw that line in the sand. Help us resist. Help us be the rebellion against the restlessness of our age.